And welcome in everybody to MNCAA episode number 19. I'm your host, Nick Maxson, and as always, joined by St. Claus 8, uh, aficionado Noah Grant, also from the Warming House Den. Noah, uh, how you doing Wednesday? Uh, what's what's new? Uh, nothing much. I was hanging out in the hospital all day. Had a clinical hanging out with some newborn kiddos and new moms, postpartum newborn rotation and then tomorrow uh, some more injections for the kiddos um i make that sound like i'm handing out candy don't i um <laughs> but uh just don't uh, show up on the ice cream truck you'll be fine <laughs> yeah do not eat the colored m&m looking things um but yeah i mean other than that i've been doing okay obviously it's been kind of a grind uh as of late but uh we're powering through and uh you know when a little newborn grabs your hand uh uh, fresh out of labor and delivery it's uh, always a cute thing even i think he would even melt your heart mr nick maxson and that's a stone cold thing to chisel into uh you have one thing wrong i don't have a heart so <laughs> well but we, can, we can assess that just we can sure. assess that uh just need to drive the seven hours to absolute hell in america to call north dakota anyways let's uh speaking america's of wasteland come america's on. wasteland um <laughs> Um, speaking of North Dakota, the NCHC, and specifically St. Cloud, uh, you know, kind of a big week actually coming mm-hmm. up. Um, unfortunately for a couple uh, of, of folks who maybe were out of the lineup, uh, Team USA, we're talking Brett Larson, Sam Henches, Nick Perbix. Unfortunately, their Olympic run ended uh, yesterday, a shootout loss to Slovakia. So they'll be, I think if I, if I know... The travel schedule, I believe they would be available for this weekend. I'm not 100% sure if they will join the team um, for one or both games or if zero. We'll have to keep uh, you folks posted on that. Um, but, you know, after a, 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 essentially a tie plus a shootout uh, loss against Western Michigan, then a regulation win, uh, Huskies go uh, into the top 10 again in the pairwise number eight. But facing Omaha in Baxter Arena. Essentially, I think you need a sweep this weekend. Uh, what are your thoughts here, Noah? Yeah, sure could use it, <laughs> right? I mean, um, especially against an Omaha team who really has not looked that sharp as of late. A really tough weekend against Miami. You mentioned Brett Larson, Sam Henches, Nick Perbex. I think also you, you have uh, Duluth coming up the following Tuesday and then CC the following weekend. I wouldn't be shocked if those guys get a little R&R and then are ready to go maybe on Tuesday and then kind of kind of back through the back in there. I know they're hockey players. I know they want to play, but jet lag <laughs> from Beijing is a real thing. Um, yes. And I think, I think Omaha is a team that the Huskies – with or without Sam and Nick and Brett can handle very readily and they need to handle them. I agree. I think they have to take at least five or six points, if not all six this weekend for a multitude of reasons. One, uh, to keep Omaha off their heels, first of all, right? There's only a six point gap. So really if Omaha were to turn the tide, they would be dead even at 25 points apiece. Um, kind of moving into that. And I believe actually Omaha might have the tiebreaker besides the Huskies would have one less game played, but as far as that's concerned, it would be a lot closer than you would want it. Um, but yes, this is a big weekend for the Huskies, all things considered standing wise. And I think morale wise, right? We had that really clunky stretch where they struggled against Denver. They struggled against North Dakota. They found a way back from that almost imploded on Tuesday, found a way past that had a great weekend against Western. I think you just want to carry some momentum and feel like you're in a good rhythm. And, you know, for the pairwise too, again, you're not necessarily gaining ground in the pairwise, but more so you're just trying to stay afloat this weekend too. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you can lose ground, like you mentioned very quickly. And, you know, you only have uh, essentially for those who, you know, are trying to understand the pairwise, obviously any loss hurts, but the Huskies have not seen Omaha yet. And they have, uh, you know, seen Colorado College once before, and then they have Duluth and that's all that's left. So this is the one opponent that, 
could change things a little bit for the Huskies because it enters in as a new common opponent comparison, if you will. And I think Omaha is like 22nd in the pairwise. So obviously a loss against a lower opponent can really change things. We talked about it on our show. The Huskies can at least go, you know, win four of their last seven. They'll put themselves in a really good spot, but why not try to take as many as you can? I think this weekend is a good chance for a good start. And how about uh, also you speaking of keeping Omaha off their heels? How about trying to keep pace with Minnesota and Duluth mm-hmm. um, as trying to get that last home ice position uh, in the NCHC again, first round of the playoffs starts, I believe is at the 11th, I believe is that Friday. Yes. In March. So we're rapidly approaching uh, do or die time for that as well. Uh, so Noah, if you're, if you're St. cloud, are you looking ahead or more? So you also t- taking a peek in the rearview mirror a little bit. Well, I think obviously you have to focus on the present. We talk about that so much, right? And worrying about your own game, obviously, against Omaha. But this is a big weekend in terms of you look around the NCHC. We're going to become North Dakota fans for the next couple of weeks if you're a Huskies fan. It's odd to say it. Um, I gagged a little bit. Um, but but, none, but nonetheless, uh, you know, North Dakota's got Minnesota Duluth this weekend. So you talk about how, how much the Fighting Hawks could help the Huskies. I mean, North Dakota and Denver are not within a stone's throw of really anybody else in the NCHC, maybe Western Michigan, but for sure not in Huskies land. So you are chasing that four spot. You are chasing home ice. You're probably going to get Duluth in the first round. You know that you've got Duluth three of your last seven games to finish out the regular season. There's this piece where we talked about the alarm bells, right? A couple of weeks ago for St. Cloud. And, you know, it wasn't really so much, because of the fact that, you know, they had lost four straight. It was how they were playing. It was how they lost those games. Yes, they were doing okay in the pairwise. Yes, in the NCHC, they were still kind of hanging pad, if you will. But they, they're they much better than what they were capable of a couple weeks ago. Now they've turned that tide. They found a way against Duluth, which they're going to have to do again if they want to have any sniff at home ice. They found a way against uh, a top five team in the country in Western Michigan. How do you carry that momentum into a weekend like this? Because... Duluth schedule after this weekend, besides having St. Cloud, gets a little bit easier for them. The Huskies, you know, have an opponent that they, on paper, should be able to handle this weekend. We know how college hockey works. Can they put that into practice? Can they carry that momentum? And St. Cloud, historically, when they've struggled sometimes, has the ability to unfortunately play at the level of their opponent instead of real playing like they would against a Denver or a Western Michigan every night. The Huskies have to bring that same mentality into an opponent that's below them in the standings. And for those who maybe missed the Western Michigan weekend, it really was a tale of two different teams on two different nights. Uh, it kind of a, a horse race on Friday. It ended up uh, seeing, uh, and at the end of the shootout, 11 goals scored on the scoreboard. Uh, and then uh, a lot different looking game on Saturday. And and I suppose, Noah, uh, you know, we know this team is built with speed. It's, it's built for offense. It's built for skill. Uh, but Western Michigan's win, uh, sorry, the win against Western Michigan on Saturday um, show that the Huskies are capable of winning in different ways. What did you like on Saturday's uh, contest uh, where they took that one four to one in regulation, just a, just a different feel altogether in that second, second game. Well, it it's been a while since, unfortunately we've talked about how the Huskies have controlled a hockey game from somewhat start to finish there. We talked so much last week uh, and the emphasis has been a lot on faceoffs. The, the Huskies, one of their statistics that has been really poor this uh, season has been the faceoff category 31 to 20 on Saturday against one of the best teams in college hockey shots, 34 to 22. I mean, they were driving possession. They were controlling the zone entry for Western Michigan defensively. They were structured. They were locked down. They did not allow their opponent any time and space. And they methodically just kind of chipped away. I mean, that is, 
what I would say the epitome of what a tournament game should look like, right? You get a couple of goals, you hang on to a one goal lead against a really good opponent. You continue to chip away. You get that insurance marker halfway through period number three, and then you tack on an empty netter and don't let uh, the other team have any hope. Didn't get in a penalty trouble, had some good looks on the power play. All of the things were clicking and they had a goaltender that I thought played very well, not only in that game, but all throughout the weekend by and large, you know, minus a shot or two. So all of those elements were coming together. And what we've talked about so much for the St. Cloud team, we've seen the elements, right? In bits and pieces and against some opponents, for example, your Miami's and the NCHC, one or two of those elements is good enough to beat those teams. Teams like Western Michigan, teams even like Omaha that are below you in the standings, you have to have more of those elements, especially as you head into tournament time, all running in the same night to have a chance. And the Huskies did that. One of their best games of the season, I thought, on Saturday. And, you know, for acting head coach and associate head coach Dave Shayak, again, the big difference Friday, Saturday is he as sort of the element of the game. The you know, reason why he was brought into the coaching staff was we need more grease pan goals. We need more, uh, especially uh, experience in the slot. We need to have a presence there. We need to be able to, to win battles. Um, I would think Saturday, again, a microcosm of what they need to do in the playoffs. Uh, but did you notice that same thing? Yeah, definitely. And I think a little bit of, you know, we've seen uh, this team kind of see if they can find that combination, you know, uh, that trio of three, as we talked about, a little bit of emergence for Thomas Rocco and Joey Molinar this weekend, talking about their fourth line presence and their ability to keep the play in front of them. But then look at their second unit or what was quoted as their second unit, right, coming into Saturday's game. Nolan Walker centering Kyler Kupka and Micah Miller. Micah Miller, obviously a bit more of a speed guy, but I think Nolan and Kyler are two guys that really like to bring the physicality and really like to bring that grit. So I, uh, you're starting to see a little bit more of that mentality where you have maybe a speed or a skill guy, your Vieti Mietnins, maybe paired with a speed guy, but by and large, guys are getting paired with another guy that's able to grind it out, that's able to beat that net front presence if they're not a skill specialist, so to speak. And obviously, these guys play Division One hockey, right? They're able to do it all. But with that being said, there are some guys, you know, like Joey Molinar, love the kid to death, but like you mentioned, did he drink a bottle of lightning juice the other day because – you know, Joey Molinar is not a guy that maybe is so much a skill-based guy, but he's going to grind it out in the corners and he's, you know, let's bring the word back. He's going to be a buzzsaw for this Huskies team winning battles in the corners and that extends to the net front. I thought it was much better on Saturday. And I wonder, um, you know, if that was a discussion moving into the week, especially as Brett Larson exited, was how are we going to get back to that physical game? When you have a team like Western Michigan, the game plan has to be physical. That's a hard, heavy team. I think the Huskies finally found the recipe for success, similar to what we saw last year, where there was a good mix of speed and skill, but now they're bringing a tenacity for a team that, by and large, is not the biggest team in the NCHC as far as size is concerned. How impressive has Josh Lidke been on the back end? I mean, you, you talk about um, some of the freshmen, uh, again, a very small freshman class for St. Cloud against so many returners from last season's uh, national championship run. Uh, but he essentially has secured himself essentially a spot over, I would think right now, Luke Jaycox, who we saw earlier in the season. Uh, holy cow, what have you seen and liked from Josh Lidke, the, the freshman from Minnetonka? I gotta be honest, uh, Josh Lidke and I, you know, I think Jack Peart also has been a lot better than people have given him credit for, but he's young. He's grow, He's going through those growing pains. I gotta be honest. I think Josh is a bona fide top four defenseman on this team right now, hands down, even with the return of Nick Perbix. I mean, I look at this lineup, maybe, you know, 
depends on how you feel about Jack versus Jack Peart versus Josh Lindkey, because I think Spencer Myers, the other name that you would slot in along with Seamus Donahue, who's kind of been Nick Perkins's, you know, ride or die, so to speak, uh, in the past year and a half. Boy, he was so, so impressive, especially on Tuesday, the way that he played with poise, with calmness, with control, especially in that overtime. We talked about it. One of the things he does for a young guy so well is he's always putting himself in the right position. He doesn't cheat his feet. He's able to give himself a chance both offensively and defensively just by his skating ability and his hockey IQ. And it's something that I don't know that you can necessarily teach. Some guys just kind of have that extra anticipatory element to their game. I think Josh is one of those guys. And if Josh continues to do what he does, if Jack Peart continues to develop, because there's been a lot of good things from Jack, the Huskies defensive core, as you move forward, you're going to lose your Nick Perbrooks. You're going to lose your Spencer Myers. They're going to be viable, viable replacements and leaders on this team. But yes, Josh, uh, for a young guy, I, just all the right decisions. And that's not the type, the type of veteran savvy that you necessarily see from some of those younger guys. So again, we're kind of refocusing back to Omaha this weekend. I mean, are you looking for a repeat of Saturday's game plan for them to be successful in Omaha or what, what, what's it going to take to, to take down uh, the Mavericks down there in Nebraska? Well, I think kind of capitalizing a little bit on uh, uh, the wounded bear, so to speak, that is Omaha right now. I mean, they had a difficult weekend, right? Getting swept by Miami, who came into the weekend as the number as the number 49 team in the country, right? That that stinks. That's tough. But what does that also mean? Uh, Huskies fans can know this very well. When your back is against the wall, sometimes you play a little bit differently. So I'd like to see a little bit of repeat of Saturday for sure, at least in the defensive side, holding a team to one goal in the NCHC. You'll take that all day. Um, but beyond that, the Huskies, I think, just need to kind of continue to understand that this might not be a team that's going to pot four, five, six goals to win hockey games, right? This is a team that's going to win games three to two, two to one at some nights. Yes, they've been good offensively this year, but I think if you go in with that mentality, if we're going to hold our opponent to two goals or less, try to be the first one to three goals, uh, they put themselves in a good spot because they have been so good offensively in terms of production early in the season. Will that come back as the Huskies, you know, kind of continue to get back into game action, so to speak, we'll have to see. But I think if you start with that mentality, that's, what's going to be important for this Omaha club, Omaha, they've lost four straight. Their last win was against Colorado college and they split that weekend as well too. And they split against Duluth the weekend before. So they're not a team right now that strikes me as a, the powerhouse or the, the X factor team that they were last year as a dark horse. I think you need to capitalize on that. Jump on them early on Friday night. Don't give them any hope because the Huskies' own worst enemy this weekend uh, is going to be themselves. They are the better team. They are the better team on paper. I believe they're the better team on the ice. But what version are we going to see when they head to Baxter Arena? That's always the question. It was a split earlier in the season at the Herbrooks National Hockey Center, a 5-1 win on Friday, and then a 3-2 overtime loss on that Saturday series. Uh, real quick here, about 30 seconds here, Noah, uh, what's your prediction for this weekend? I think the Huskies sweep both games. Uh, I'm going to go with 4-1 to on Friday night, and I'm going to go 4-2 on Saturday. I think the Huskies get 8 on the weekend. And how important is it now, just real quick follow-up, to to find that consistency? Again, we're heading in to the end of the regular season. We talk about how you know you want to peak at the right time. And, and is this the time that we re really for Huskies fans and for the team, they need to start showing you know sort of their playoff identity? 
Yeah, uh, not so much even peaking, but I think just having some familiarity with who maybe you're going to kind of be with as the season goes along, knowing that, you know, maybe you have one or two lines that are your go-to things for things such as offensive or defensive zone draws. Uh, what are your penalty killing units like? Are those all set? When you have some of that more familiarity, you kind of trust and know and expect what another player on the ice with you is going to do. Huskies have had a little bit of line juggling. They really haven't found that kind of golden identity that I think we saw a little bit earlier last season, uh, so to speak. The Huskies, I think, need to try to find that while continuing to play their game, while continuing to contribute wherever guys are in the lineup, whether or not they have Sam uh, and Nick back or not. They have to find a way to kind of build that chemistry a little bit and give the coaches an option to say, yep, you've solidified yourself in this lineup. You're going to play here. This is how you're going to contribute. Because I think that puts guys at ease knowing where they're going to be every night, and then they can just go out and play uh, and continue to try to be effective. We'll certainly have to keep an eye on the Huskies run towards the end of the regular season. Uh, speaking of running, we need to run south uh, a little bit on 35W slash 169 to Mankato, where we'll check in with Alex Micheletti, whether Mavericks are back in action this weekend. And uh, joining us here, as always, Alex McTocket to talk Minnesota State and Mankato. Uh, Alex, welcome back. Yes, good, uh, good to be back on. And uh, you know, Mavericks are back, back in the swing of things. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's fun for sure. We talked uh, last week. This was a much needed and, and probably a really well timed uh, off week here for the Mavericks. So they get some rest. Uh, maybe, depending on the jet lag, maybe they get Nathan Smith back early. Um, I would think that the chances of that are probably low. Uh, that's a pretty long flight there from Beijing. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, Mavericks uh, in a pretty good position again with the top, t- top t- uh, teams in the country. Yeah, uh, this is a huge weekend. They can clinch uh, the McNaughton Cup. Um, so yeah, it's it's a big weekend. Got uh, Bemidji coming coming to town. They are a tough tough squad, and so it's going to be an exciting weekend in, in Mankato. It looks like it's uh, going to be standing room only there. So yeah, the um, you know it should be rocking in in the five oh seven. And uh, for Minnesota State, their last home regular season series, uh, again, as you mentioned, it can clinch the McNaughton Cup. Uh, would that be mathematically possible Friday or Saturday? I believe I believe it's Saturday. Um, but, um, you know, if they can get a sweep, it'd just be phenomenal. Keep the keep the train rolling. And for Minnesota State, you know, we've talked about it all season. You know, this is a train that very little teams have been able to, to not really stop it, to kind of slow down. And it's been very short. Uh, again, how excited is Mav Nation about what this team has done and more so what this team is capable of? Yeah, it's it's incredible. They, they just, uh, you know, you think they're going to have a down year at some point and, you know, they just reload. And, you know, it doesn't matter who they lose. And, uh you know, they brought back some really key pieces. Um, uh, like, like we've talked about Dryden could have probably signed and, and Nathan Smith and, and Jack McNeely, the list goes on and on of, of guys. And they, they wanted to come back and they wanted to, uh, you know, try to win a, a national championship for the first time in school history. So, I mean, it's uh, the boys are rolling and, uh, you know, it could, 
couldn't be more excited um, for sure for Mavs, uh, Mav Nation. And maybe we need to go with this way, uh, because I know that as far as the coaches polls are concerned, 41st place votes again this week uh, on the USHO.com poll, Michigan at eight, Denver with two. Um, I guess, you know, the world is starting to realize, you know, this team is not to be messed with. Um, I guess, is this team getting enough attention really for how good it is? Yeah, I mean, it's it seems to um, you know it seems to go unnoticed a little bit uh, here, but uh, you know I think I think they'll take it. Um, you know, um, it's a lot of pressure, um, and so um, if they can fly under the radar, that's it's it's fine. Let uh, let Michigan and uh, you know Denver, um, Minnesota have all the all the press on them, and uh, um, yeah, watch out for the Gophers too. They are they are you know starting to roll, and uh, I was looking at uh, uh, college hockey news had a potential like um uh bracket of uh, of, of the uh, ncaa tournament and right now uh they had uh you know <laughs> minnesota being playing uh, duluth probably and uh the mavs playing north dakota which would be just oh, an amazing boy. uh amazing first game and uh they also had st cloud playing uh umass so you know just <laughs> rematches all over the place uh, which would you know make for a really fun first uh first round for sure that's also assuming, you know, North Dakota does get into right. the NCAA tournament. And we talked about this before, Alex. Um, it's up for debate. But, you know, again, the the hockey in the east part of the United States, and I say that because hockey east, ECAC, um, Atlanta hockey, uh, they're just, uh, you know, Quinnipiac to me is, is a bit inflated in yeah. terms of their record. Yeah. Uh, but there really is no super dangerous team on the East. In fact, the depth on the East is, is very minuscule. Um, you know, we, we talked about it before, or maybe we should re revisit it again. Now that we're, you know, in the final weeks of the regular season, you know, how many teams from the West get into the NCAA tournament? To me, I think you have a chance for 12, about 13 spots there. Uh, you know, minus, you know, maybe some upsets and some of those. And that's the thing. That's the X factor is, you know, you have an upset, in those conference tournaments, uh, you know, you could have that drop, but I mean, realistically, how many were you looking at? Yeah. Um, <laughs> probably three, two or three. Um, and, uh, you know, every year this happens, the Atlantic uh, team that gets in never is in the top 16. And so if you're on the 14 or 15 bubble, you're really, uh, you know, in, in deep panic mode, um, just because, um, it's probably gonna be American international, but they're in the, they're in the twenties right now in the, in the pair wise. And so, um, you know, um, you know, maybe, maybe BU, uh, can sneak in there too, but it's probably going to be Quinnipiac American international and, um, you know, Northeastern, uh, maybe. Um, so, um, yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna be uh, very interesting. And we saw the Quinnipiac lose to Clarkson this past weekend. And so they finally played a, you know, a pretty good opponent and they, and they lost. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, um, if they get matched up against a West team, how they do. And Alex, when you, when you have had the success that the Mavericks have had, is it really true that maybe their biggest enemy for the Mavericks is themselves potentially? Oh yeah. hundred percent. Um, and, um, uh, like we've talked about, you can't take anybody lightly in the, in the NCAA tournament or else you get our IT or American international, um, you know, Oof. as, as, you know, the, the Mavericks found out and <laughs> found out from American international. So, um, you know, if you're the one or, uh, you know, number one overall seed or, you know, the second number one, you gotta be ready to, to face an opponent that really wants to take you out and, uh, and, and show that they can, they can hang with the, with the top, 
top guys um, in, the, in the country. And so, um, yeah, just got to gotta be good on special teams. Um, it's huge uh, in, in those one, one, you know, one game series, win or go home and, uh, you know, stay out of the box and, and, and capitalize on the power play. Well, so let's talk a little bit about, you know, some of the depth that the Mavericks have. And we, we've heard the big names, Nathan Smith, Julian Napravnik, just to name a few, right? Um, yeah. When we get to tournament time, right? And this is true in, in all levels of hockey, especially when you get to the NHL, the AHL, uh, those top six forwards, right? Yeah. They seem to offset each other from your opponent and, and you know, a one game series again at the college level. Uh, as far as the Mavericks depth is concerned, you know, who are you looking at as far as to provide that secondary tier scoring uh, guys that you can maybe rely on a pot a few that it really is probably important to get you not only out of the, uh, the regions, but also to, to make a run at the national title. Yeah, I mean, you look at a guy like Ryan Sandlin's got 19 goals, <laughs> which is just incredible. Uh, Brendan Fury, has been playing really well. A guy like uh, Lucas Souter, um, who was uh, a previous WCHA Rookie of the Year, um, you know he's um, you know playing on the third line right now. A guy uh, like Sam Morton, who came up big um, in the in the NCAA tournament last year, playing on a line with uh, uh, Sandlin and Fury, um, and so and then he got the back end, which is just. Uh, been stalwarts back there. You got a guy like Andy Carroll senior and Jack McNeely uh, senior, our grad grad student um, who's just been an absolute rock and has been providing a little bit more offense. Um, and yeah, it's just, uh, it's a, it's a fun, fun team to watch, especially when they can get the, um, you know, the, the D involved and uh, yeah, another guy, uh, Jake Livingstone, who was incredible in the NCAA tournament. Uh, I'm sure he'll, he'll have a big, uh, uh, big run in the playoffs here as well. And for, for Dryden McKay, and this is probably an odd question, right? Because he is very good. He should run away with the Mike Richter award. And if he doesn't get it, I don't know what the heck happens after that, honestly, for, for that award. But are you at at all concerned that he hasn't had maybe necessarily that tough game yet this year? Um, You know, goaltenders, we know are creatures of, of, I don't know, mental strength. You know, you, you just have to kind of, I don't know, be weary, but is it, at all concerning that he hasn't really had one of those tough nights. Yeah. Um, so as far as a tough game for Dryden, um, you know, he has faced UMass on the road and, and played St. Cloud and, um, you know, so he has played some tough opponents, you know, um, near, near the beginning. And so, you know, I think he'll draw on that experience and then just being in, you know, in previous NCAA tournaments, um, you know, he always seems to step up no, no matter what. Um, and, you know, he's got that chip on his shoulder from the from the St. Cloud game, uh, you know, losing late um, in the Frozen Four. And so, you know, I think that's very, very motivational for her, uh, Dryden. And, uh, you know, again, a shot that he probably could do nothing about, too, which I think no. is important. Um, Alex, let's briefly just preview the Bemidji State here real quick. Uh, you out, out, shot, out go, uh, outscored him 8-1. to one. Uh, sorry, eight to two in their previous uh, uh, series. What are you expecting out of this weekend? With again, Mavericks a big chance to wrap up the regular season title. Yeah, um, I think they're going to do it at home. Uh, they, you know, that's a huge motivational factor to to get the cup, and uh, you know those seniors want to you know get another trophy, and so I think they'll sweep uh, Bemidji. Bemidji's have been uh, struggling uh, as of late, um, and uh, not getting as great goaltending as they have in the past with guys like Zach Driscoll and, and Michael Bitzer, you know, the list goes on and on of great goalies that they've had there. And it's been kind of a struggle for them this season. And so, you know, I expect the, the Mavericks to, to pile on and, uh, you know, bring out the hardware on the ice.
I expect that as well. Again, Bemidji State not having uh, the year like they had uh, last year. Uh, mm-hmm. But then again, you know, a good chance for the Mavs to uh, to kind of put a bow tie on the regular season. Yep. With that being said, we do have to head north here to catch up with Drew Cove. I mentioned the Gophers are rolling, and let's catch up on there with our friend up there, Drew Cove. Now, welcoming in Drew Cove here to talk about Minnesota Golden Gophers. Drew, uh, again, back inside the vehicle, uh, but yep. podcast studio. Uh, but, you know, the funny thing is kind of ironic because that kind of shows a, a little bit of what's happened. The Gophers are finally cruising for a little bit once this year. Hey, they've uh, they, they found the stock and they hit cruise control and now uh, they're on four four straight wins. And, you know, it's it we I think I said it in this very parking lot in this very car. And I said, you know what? We're, we won't believe it until we see it. And I said that last week and now, wow, they've really, they've really, uh, they've, they've shown us the last two weeks. Um, you know, it's, it's been amazing seeing, uh, seeing a four straight wins against, uh, obviously a down ish Michigan state team and, uh, and then a pretty dominant Ohio state team. And now, uh, uh, yeah, they're rolling here coming into the end of the season. And uh, we'll have to keep that train rolling too. Again, winners of four straight. Um, do have to tackle with Penn State, who has been in the past a, a much bigger Big Ten full this year. Not quite uh, the, as much. Has been a bit of a down year for uh, the Nittany Lions. I guess. What are you in, uh, kind of expecting this weekend here between these two clubs? Yeah, they're past the the real tough, the last tough test of their regular season, and they got to Penn State, Wisconsin, coming down the pike here. Um, I see the Gophers being able to take you got a sweep uh, at uh, at Penn State in uh, State College uh, University Park, depending on where you see the date line from. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think uh, the Gophers can pull out two wins there. They're rolling right now. And uh, uh, let's just hope they don't uh, for, for their tournament's sake, too. And obviously, I think they're a bit more set in the pairwise than they were the last uh, few weekends we chatted. Um, but yeah, they're going to, they're going to want to win it, win a couple of these games here and win at least three or four against, uh, Penn state and Wisconsin to, uh, close out the regular season and head into the, head into the big 10 tournament strong. Uh, we talked about how important last season was, uh, kind of looking up at Ohio state, uh, Ohio state having quite the season themselves and, uh, golfers, uh, looked up to the challenge and losing, uh, missing a couple of key players and decided, Hey, we realize that this is a, a make or break weekend. And, uh, I, I'm not sure if it was surprising that they swept, but certainly it was good to see that uh, they were able to uh, be equal to the task and take home two very important wins. Hey, yeah, I mean, uh, we, we were earlier talking about uh, the importance of Ben Myers, Matthew Nyes, the Nines, uh, as as it were. Um, yeah, I was, we were talking with a friend of the show, uh, Eric Vigo, actually, uh, and uh, it's it's really the seventh show now. It's uh, the Aaron Huglin, uh, the Rhett Pick, Pitlicks, and, uh, you know, it, those those guys are – those guys really made, showed uh, showed who this team is going to belong to very soon, and uh, um, they, they they made a real statement, especially in the first game when it was a little bit closer uh, against Ohio State, uh, a, a three to two win. Um, but yeah, they just they they made some incredible passes. Uh, Sammy Walker made an incredible pass too. That kind of got lost in the shuffle that he was kind of early on in that Friday game. But those uh, Huglin and, uh, and and Pitlick, man, they've uh, they they shown some glimpses of what they can become, and they really. He really made sure to to make that impact uh, um, this past weekend, but also you know that now that uh, the U.S. is out of the out of the, the Olympics, and uh, I don't think the Gophers are gonna 
Um, I don't think it sounded like uh, from from Gophers reporter uh, Jess Myers actually from seeing kind of his uh, his tweeting today. It didn't or on Wednesday. Uh, it did seem as uh, um, as if it might be pretty slim if they get those guys back for this weekend uh, that we're over in Beijing. Um, but for the Wisconsin series, it'll be good to have have a tune up back uh, against uh, the same this this type of t- competition in time for the Big Ten tournament. So. Um, I guess it's not really a good thing that the U.S. lost, but uh, um, it's a good thing for the Gophers that they're going to get a couple players back before the end of the regular season, I think, for sure. And, you know, this is, you know, sort of almost the bigger test, right, is when, you know, you're starting to find kind of a groove. And honestly, weirdly enough, it was when some of your cornerstone pieces left, right? And it's like, well, how can you continue the role, like you said, the Huglins and the Pitlicks? It's about meshing these kind of two classes together, right? The underclassmen and the upperclassmen. Mm -hmm. Is that not the next step for this squad? Yeah, I mean, if you said uh, if you said at the beginning of the season that uh, I mean, some of your top players, I mean, we didn't really we knew Matthew Nyes was going to be good. We didn't know if he, know he was going to be this successful at this level. Um, I don't think. I mean, obviously, some of the coaching staff definitely could have told you that, but a lot of the people that hadn't seen Nyes play um, would have been a little bit um, unknowing of of his potential. But um, if you said you take away Ben Myers, take away Brock Faber, and take away Jack Lafontaine from this group, and said they were going to have success near the end of the season. I don't think a lot of people would have believed you. And, and finally, now that, uh, now that these, these guys are playing together, they're meshing the old and the new um, they're playing some really good hockey. And uh, um, obviously it can't be said enough. I mean, they've really impressed and they've really shown who they can be at their best the last two weekends. And, you know, again, uh, as not only the Gophers, but also St. Cloud, Minnesota State, waiting for those returns, uh, you know, pieces to their lineups. Again, probably pretty slim for both, all the teams, honestly, to get those guys back. Uh, but again, for Penn State, uh, I guess if you're the Gophers, you're looking at it, you've won four straight. Um, you know, again, the first real sign of consistency this season. Is there a little bit of hesitation for Gophers fans to really think that they've turned the corner at all? Um, I don't know. I think, uh, especially I would have been a little bit more against Michigan state. Um, if it was just like a couple victories against Michigan state, but now that it's four straight and the latter of the two came against Ohio state in the same kind of condition that the team was in with missing so many important players. Um, I, I gotta think there's, I mean, there's reason to be a little bit skeptical given how the majority of the season was played with this really inconsistent Friday to Saturday. Um, but you know, you gotta, you gotta, at that, at that point, you gotta say, okay, maybe they've really turned the corner and maybe they, maybe they've, they've hit what they need to hit and, uh, they can be rolling the rest of the season. And I, I, I definitely think that, uh, some fans should be able to, if they have some reservations, I think after this past weekend, they should be able to shed some of them and they still might get burned. Who knows, uh, with it, with, a, with, um, a loss or two against, uh, Penn State and, uh, Wisconsin, but you know. I, I don't think there's reason to really doubt what this team can be, especially when they show it against one of the better teams in the conference. Kind of a funny question, Drew, and I, I mentioned it's kind of comical because it, it kind of is uh, for maybe the very casual fan or maybe the fan that peeks into the Gophers every now on them and they see that, hey, this team was really you know, successful again with some of these other pieces left and we're not taking anything away with successes and the individual talents of, you know, Faber, Nyes mm-hmm. and, uh, and, uh, and Ben Myers. Uh, but that same sort of fandom might say, well, doesn't that put 
the, the Gophers coach in kind of a tough spot where, you know, you, you have, you know, a team that's finally found a groove and is playing like a team. And, you know, with these guys gone, does that mean there's some lineup decisions to make? Or I guess if you're Bob Moscow, how, how do you how do you handle reintegrating these guys in the lineup without sacrificing, you know, maybe some of the things that the team has built over the last couple of weeks? Yeah, you know, I mean, it is a, it's definitely a different game than I think at the, the, the upper levels of, I mean, professional hockey when you're being, when you're kind of being paid and you're in a certain role for a long time. But, um, and, and I mean, it's not necessarily a funny question. I think when, uh, when Carl Fish, a guy who was slotted into the lineup, not too, not too often this season and not too often last season either, he slots into the lineup and he ends, earns a big 10 third star of the week, uh, in the series against Michigan state. So I, I, you wonder if that has a little bit of an effect and if it might put a little more pressure to say, okay, we do have to slot these guys in because they were Olympians and they've obviously been very important to our program. But um, yeah, I, it, it might put a little, it, I think it's uh, not too blown up because it is the, the college game, but um, you know, it, 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 I think it's, it's, it's a good thing for the Gophers that they have so many players performing at a high level. And uh, um, especially when guys are going to have nights off and uh, not nights off, off nights, I should say it's it's going to be good to be able to play uh bring some guys that have uh, some pretty hot hands and some uh some uh, good good playing experience under their belt right now and it's guys like you just mentioned you know who's in the lineup they end up getting the big 10 uh, you know, player of the week, uh, you know, and then as we get to tournament time and that's not only the big 10 tournament, but also, uh, when we get you know to the NCAA tournament, we talked about this, uh, with Micheletti here just a little bit earlier, you know, it's that it's those depth players that kind of have to carry the mail. You know, that you're, uh, the, your opponent in a one-off playoff game is going to have your Matthew Nice marked. They're going to be looking at Ben, you know, Ben Myers. They're going to be looking at some of those top end skill players and try to shut them down. So it really becomes, you know, kind of a, a, a challenge of depth. And, you know, as you mentioned, you know, I guess maybe more of the depth pieces have some of these guys that slotted in, you know, is there a chance that they may stick around and maybe some of the other regular bottom six fours, as we say, can we see them maybe uh, being on the bench here coming up this weekend? Uh, yeah, you wonder if they're going to try and get some of those guys, the, the playing time before, especially tournament time. And I think, uh, kind of what you mentioned in your question too, I think just it, it all, it points to the sign of why, why, uh, Bob Motzko went and got a guy like Grant Cruikshank from Colorado college to transfer in this year. Um, a big, a big bodied guy. He's experienced at the college level. He's a, he's a physical guy. He's not, I mean, he's not a goon. He's not, a, he's not, he's not some guy to just toughen up and be around, but he's there to provide a physical leadership presence and to show that the Gophers mean business when they're, when they're in some kind of make or break game. Um, and I don't think it's any secret that, that Grant Cruikshank came here to play in the, in the NCAA tournament. That's, that's, that's ultimately why he's here and he's going to need to be, and obviously he's been all over the lineup. I think he's played with some of the top guys. He's played with some of the bottom of the lineup guys, but He's going to be, a, he's the kind of guy that the Gophers are going to count on. And especially maybe when, when there's too many skill guys playing really well. And, and one of the, one of the ones that is talented, but maybe not performing at the time is going to have to sit. I think Grant Grookshank is staying in and taking and keeping that spot. So um, it could lead to a couple different in unique lineup situations saying, Oh, well, why is this guy sitting, but not Crookshank? But I think uh, the style of game, um, they're really going to need him to to play, and uh, obviously, I think that's 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 why he that's why he became uh, a, a gopher and for his for his last year, I think his last year of eligibility. But uh, um, yeah, it's it's those types of decisions and uh, that roster building at this level, especially when you have not a young team, but a, t- a team that turned over some guys uh, from last season to, to get older again. And Bob Motzko's historically had some older teams, some 
guys that have stayed around a long time in, in, at this level. And um, that's what it comes to beating. I mean, that's, I mean, you look at Micheletti, for example, too. I mean, he talks about one of the oldest teams in the country um, year in and year out and look, look why they're the most, one of the most successful because they're, they're built in, they're, they're in, they're physically in, into their bodies. They're, they're a lot older. They've had a lot more time to develop at this level. They, to, to hit the weight room, to hit the gym. And uh, I mean, there's, there's a reason for that success. And I think uh, obviously Mike Hastings has, has definitely that part of it figured out to be one of the most consistently successful teams in the country, but uh, the Gophers are getting there. And especially with their recruiting style and kind of getting a lot of those highly skilled uh, sought after players in the state, um, they, they, they got to build out in different ways. And I think Grant Kirkshank is one of those, one of those, uh, one of those uh, complimentary pieces to come tournament time. That's really going to make a difference. Uh, last bit here, Drew, before we, uh, we sign up here to Ryan Stieg, uh, there to cover some Tommies, but, uh, you know, it, I think it's pretty easy to say this is, this is a sweep opportunity here for the Gophers. Do they do it? If so, uh, what, what can we see maybe in the scoreboard? Um, you know, I think they can do it. See a lot more sevens on the scoreboard and, uh, who knows, maybe, uh, the, the, uh, the Huglins and the Pitlicks and, uh, maybe Blake McLaughlin getting in on the sevens crowd. I think. I think they'll find a way to those guys will find a way to continue the success, and they're going to say, "All right, this is pretty fun to fun to score to be really really impactful at this level." And say, you know what, maybe they just it's it's time for them to take over the team and to to be the to be the guys. And who knows, maybe it is just that for the weekend and and a lot of the Gophers' other talent because obviously they're they're pretty loaded with with talent at this level. Um, who knows if it's if it's those guys? But I think it's going to be the offense saying, "All right, here we here we go. We can beat this team that's that's kind of sitting at the bottom of the conference and just." And you're kind of not taking the team, not taking the matchup for granted. And that's, that's going to be key to getting two victories this weekend. Coming together at the right time are the Gophers again, winners of four straight, looking to make it five and six uh, with uh, against Penn State. Uh, Drew Cole, thanks very much. And as again, as we mentioned, let's welcome in now Ryan Stieg as he catches us up on one of the newest Division One teams in St. Thomas. Hoops fans. Wow. Uh, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill good. Yep. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take your shot at a big payday. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contest DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Do it right now. Use promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 plus. Minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for a full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Void where prohibited. Minimum $5 deposit. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the Tennessee red line. 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-79-7777. Or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK. Or text hope new york Four six seven three six nine. And as always, welcome in Ryan State to talk St. Thomas hockey. Ryan, good to see you back. Yeah, great to be here. I uh, I always look forward to this. It's kind of like the highlight of my week in a weird way. <laughs> 
That is weird because if you actually knew me in real life, it would not be a highlight. Uh, <laughs> but uh, St. Thomas, uh, again, back in action this weekend and uh, kind of disappointing a, a little bit last weekend. Uh, I know we kind of maybe thought that this would be uh, potentially a weekend uh, against Alaska, that maybe they would, uh, you know, maybe some things that they started to build to kind of culminate and maybe uh, push Alaska, uh, maybe even get a win or two and uh, didn't quite go the way we thought. That was... Um... Rico kind of was a way to, he bluntly said, we did not play our best hockey, which I thought was kind of sugarcoating it maybe (laughs) a little bit because they, I don't think I've seen them fall behind that quickly than I did on Friday night. I mean, I had literally just started watching the game and I tweet out, oh, already done one, nothing. A minute later, oh, it's two, nothing. Oh, it's three, nothing. It's just he said we were not ready to play and that was pretty evident because they lost six one it just sick it was just a complete disaster and then you go to saturday which was started off better they were up one nothing after the first and then they gave up five unanswered goals and then had to play from behind and they tried to fight back but you know you tried to score <laughs> rally from four goals down when you're already struggling that weekend it just it just didn't happen. It was the weirdest thing, too, because, like you said, we were thinking they might get a win or at least some momentum going in the last two weeks, and nothing came out of it. It was just a bizarre, strange weekend. And uh, as you mentioned with Rico, you know, and mind you, for those who don't know Rico as well as you and I do, uh, Rico is a, a pretty straight, straightforward shooter, honestly. And, uh, you know, for lack of, you know, putting the record aside, I think for those who followed this team this year, understand that it's it's been a year of growth and there really actually was some exciting things happening with the squad these last few weeks. And uh, just it kind of just kind of hit a wall uh, this weekend. And it, it's for the one time that Rico that you and I have talked to has really said, yeah, no, this wasn't our best hockey. And, uh, you know, it kind of makes you think, oh, crap, you know, this is. You know, and every team has tough weekends, but this one especially tough to take here for for St. Thomas. Yeah, it uh, it was a weekend I was not expecting. I knew it was going to be a little shaky because you are making that long trip to Alaska, and that can have an effect on any team. You know, you see good teams all the time. Sometimes nationally ranked teams will go out there and just kind of trip over themselves in one of the games, either Friday or Saturday night, and they might come out with two wins, but they don't particularly look good doing it, and. Uh, I thought maybe something good would happen, and it really didn't. It was just – it's one of those series that you just want to completely put behind you and pretend it didn't happen, and I think that's what the Tommies are going to try to do this weekend. Uh, unfortunately, it's not an easy opponent either. No, and, uh, you know, you, you talk about the road trip to Alaska. You know, you do bring up, I, I think, a good point, right, because this has been the longest road trip for St. Thomas so far in Division One. Um, that's, what, a four-and-a-half, five-hour ride up there to Alaska, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, via airplane? It, it's, it's hard to say, really, because it depends on the route you take. I mean, I does Minneapolis fly straight? I don't know. I believe they, they do. Yeah, I think they, they do. They go straight I think, to Fairbanks. Okay. I I, I think so. Mm-hmm. It's uh either way. I mean, that's <laughs> it's it's not a you know a drive across uh, to to Mariucci Arena to play the Gophers. That's for sure. And you know, you you kind of wonder if that played a part in maybe their performance. Would would you think that maybe that was part of it? 
Yeah, well, you know, Rico's not the kind of guy who likes to make excuses. Um, but I, you have to think that if they were so not ready to play on Friday, it makes me wonder if it at least had some bit of effect on them because, I, I mean, I've seen St. Thomas lose before, but I haven't seen them look that bad from the start with the exception of the St. Cloud State game at the very, very start of the season. With the exception of that, I haven't seen them be just overwhelmed from the beginning. So I like to think it played a little role. He would probably say it didn't, but I I think it probably had a little something to do with it. And, and you know, it is or, or a series like that where you have to travel for, for so long, right? You know, and I think, again, as you mentioned, I know St. Cloud is in years past gone on to Alaska. They've also gone on east to Boston College, Boston University for some non-conference action too. Uh, I guess is going to Alaska the, the worst place you could go as far as a road trip. And, and it's not because of location. It's more just getting there. It's, it's the, it's the whole experience from, from just the length of trip. It, is, is that, is that a fair assessment? I, I would say probably in my opinion, yeah, it would be, I think Alaska is the worst one. I mean, there's some other ones, like if they're far away, sometimes they're at smaller airports and smaller towns. So then you have to fly to a bigger city and then get on another plane to get to there and sometimes even bust and then, you know, to the even. So I imagine that can be a pain. But, you know, a lot of that's just one time zone. You're going from like central to eastern time zone or maybe even eastern to mountain time zone. Whereas, you're going from Minnesota to Alaska, you're three time zones behind you. And it's just, <laughs> it, it takes forever to adjust to it. I mean, there's people who were talking about it who had been on that trip before and just like, it takes you like two days to really come to grips with it. And especially in the winter when it's like pitch mm -hmm. black almost all day. <laughs> so it's like, I imagine it's, I imagine it's, I think, going on a trip like if you're doing like the back-to-back -back, like some teams used to do where they'd go to anchorage and then go to fairbanks or vice versa where you can actually make like a two-week trip out of it i think it's kind of fun but i think if you're just going out there on a weekend i think it's just one of those where you're just like okay let's get out there and let's leave <laughs> let's yeah. not spend any more time there so that in my opinion i think that's the worst the worst road trip could be on and it's funny because, you know, even as, as broadcasters, as, as writers too, you know, you feel the same effects, right. Of that travel. Um, I'm, I'm going to probably throw a curveball at you here, Ryan, but you know, whether it's covering hockey or maybe even your personal life too, what has been sort of the, the, the biggest travel thing that you've done that, you know, I guess maybe took a little bit out of you. <laughs> um, probably I'd, I'd have to think. I've been lucky in the fact that I have not had to have a lot of jet lag or any like sheer exhaustion from travel compared to some other people I know in the industry. I guess maybe it was probably going to Florida just because I, I'm, I don't like being hot and I don't like it being humid either. So sweltering in Southern Florida is not my exactly my cup of tea. So that was probably the worst <laughs> part, part for me. I mean, beaches are nice, but it's just, I hate humidity and I hate being hot. So that was probably the worst part, but thankfully it was just a time zone switch and it really wasn't that big deal. But I know other people in the industry have traveled. They've gone to Maine and they've gone to Arizona state and they've gone to Alaska and stuff like that. So they probably have more grueling stuff than I did, but uh, that's my take. I really haven't got to deal with that kind of intense stuff. I'm, I mean, you, do you got any of them to you? 
I've got one for you. Yeah. And this isn't work. This was a personal thing. So I had a buddy that was uh, in the Navy and he was stationed in San Diego on Coronado Island. Uh, this was back in 2010. His uh, six year uh, contract was expiring and uh, didn't even actually know I was going. He, I was literally in my parents' garage on a Friday and he called me up, I think around noon, noon, one o'clock. And he said, you know, Hey, what are you doing? Nothing. You what? Do you want to come with me to drive back? And I'm like, I don't have like three or four days. I have to work on Monday. And he goes, we'll make it back. I'm like, when? He goes, we'll drive Saturday. We'll be- get back Sunday. I'm like, there's just no way. So yeah. f- fly down there Saturday or Friday. Uh, and of course, in, when you're getting out of the of the army, at least for him, it was a celebration for him. Uh, so there was there was some celebrating and there's some choice beverages that were consumed uh, quite a bit, actually. Um, so we end up going, I think, to sleep at three in the morning, end up getting up at seven thirty in the morning. So around four and a half hours of sleep. Uh, leave San Diego at eight o'clock a.m. Pacific time. We got back to my car at the Minneapolis airport in 34 and a half hours later, 7.30 p.m. Central on Sunday night. And then because I'm not crazy enough already, drove an extra hour, hour and a half up to St. Cloud. Uh, so yeah, that that one I was dead tired after that one. So that was that's my longest and most exhausting travel experience I've had. And the longest we stopped was I think 15 minutes at a Wendy's in Utah just to get out of the car because otherwise it was either fuel and go or through the drive-through and go. There really wasn't any stopping for us. The highlight of the trip was the Wendy's in Utah. It was actually <laughs> getting back, uh, getting back to hockey here, uh, Mr. Stieg, uh, as you mentioned, uh, you know, for uh, not the greatest follow-up opportunity for St. Thomas again, um, you know, after the the weekend in, in Alaska, they, they come, uh, they're actually going to be on at home facing Lake Superior state again, a, a much better opponent. Uh, I guess, what are you hoping to see from St. Thomas? Uh, maybe not necessarily a W, but as far as getting back to, uh, you know, some of the things we saw before last week and what, what are you hoping to see? I'm just hoping that they can get back to what they were. I mean, they had made so much progress and people were even commenting, even seeing them that this is a different team in the second half than they were in the first half. They played well against Bowling Green. They did okay against Bemidji. They played great against Michigan Tech, even hung tight with Mankato in one of the two games that happened recently. So it was, they made a lot of progress and then took a big step back this weekend. So I'm hoping they can just get back to where they were. Um, Lake State is going to be a tough team. Uh, I've covered them for years when I was the NMU beat writer. They're always, they find ways to win games, especially the last two years. And they got a very potent offense. Louis Bedouin is uh, one of my favorite players to watch just because he's, he can, he can move the puck so well and he can get shots on that. And just, he's kind of a dynamic player. And it's, I think it's going to be a tough weekend, but I'm hoping that it's, the last home series of the year, um, not only regular season, can St. Thomas is, is going to be on the road in the CCHA playoffs, but just maybe that extra boost of energy of playing at home, you know, for two last games can help, I don't know, urge them or push them to get a, a victory or maybe some points out of the weekend. That's what I'm hoping. It's definitely not going to be easy because Lake State is trying to fight for playoff positioning. They want to get home ice. They're just on the edge of getting, you know, the four spot which would get them home ice in the first round. So it's going to be a good series, I think. And, you know, is this really the first true test for the program? And what I mean by that is, I mean, 
not in terms of the opponent and how difficult it is, but, you know, having, you know, playing good hockey only to kind of feel like maybe as players or maybe as an organization, maybe take a step back and to be able to kind of put that behind you. Is this a real first test for this squad? You know, you could make that case, I think, because, you know, again, they were making so much progress and I was, you know, enjoying watching them because it's like a lot of teams don't make that big jump and in two halves. Some people, some teams just continue to struggle the entire year. Whereas that was a first half thing for St. Thomas. And now they're in the second half. They're a more complete team. They're a lot more good at possessing the puck, playing tight defense. They're keeping teams to the outside. It's, and then last week was just, I don't know, I want to say ca- catastrophic. Is that a good way to put it? <laughs> <laughs> i think that's a perfect way to describe it actually <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So i know catastrophics used specifically for mankato games i think but you know i mm-hmm. think i'll use it for that series but uh i think it is a test because it's like okay the playoffs are coming up you have two weeks until you're most likely going to be playing mankato in the first round are you going to go in with any momentum are you going to be able to put up a fight at all against the mavericks who are probably just licking their chops at facing you after what they just saw, you know, from Alaska. So um, I think it is a good test for them. And if you want to see where this team is at right now, I think this series will determine, you know, how they're going to finish the rest of the year. And uh, real quick, uh, Ryan, 30 seconds. Uh, I, I know it's going to be tough, but predictions for this weekend, uh, in a, can, is Lake Superior that good or, or can St. Thomas sneak one? You know, I, I feel like if they can steal – if they can get points, a tie out of Tech, who I think is better than Lake State, I think they can get some points out of the weekend. I don't know if it's going to be a win, but I think they're going to get something. I don't know if it's a tie or maybe a shootout win or something. I think they're going to get at least one or two points out of the weekend from the Lakers just because I think they are they want to redeem themselves. It's their last weekend at home, and I think something's going to come together for them. As always, Ryan, Steve, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for joining us. We have one final stop on our MNCAA tour, and that is to the North Pole. Just kidding, it's Duluth, which is pretty close to that end of the wintertime as we welcome in Max Vichy to get us caught up on University of Minnesota Duluth. Last but not least, let's welcome in Max Veach here to talk UMD Bulldogs. And uh, Max, welcome back. Uh, happy to have you on. Happy to be back, as always. A little bit happier mood this week, I think, uh, after the weekend's festivities. Uh, you know, ending one of college hockey's, if not college hockey's, longest home winning streak uh, for the Denver Pioneers on Saturday. I'm not gonna lie to you. I was uh, rooting for Denver to take care of business as a as a into, as a very selfish Huskies fan, but uh, this may have been the win, and not only in the sense of just a, a W, but the type of win this team has been looking for all season long. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. I mean, it's it's a team that that UMD. We've talked about it a hundred times already. It's it's not a high prolific scoring team. It's the first one to three for the last couple of weeks has always won in every one of their matchups. They got to three first again. 
Um, and it, it was all done without quite a few key pieces and seeing some of the other guys step up was, was really big to see for UMD now, but also for the playoffs as well. Cause everybody knows that's a, it's a long haul and you're going to have to do that at some point. And you know, what, let's kind of break it down, right? So, uh, the loss to Denver on Friday and then Saturday down two to one, um, was actually tied going into the third period. Denver gets one early. Um, were you nervous after Denver took the lead there in the third? Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I was a little bit nervous going into the third there. Um, we were out uh, a, a pretty key defensive piece there in Wyatt Kaiser on, on Saturday. Um, if you've watched his play, he's he's been just a, a really, really good piece for, for as young as he is out there in terms of college hockey. And having him gone and seeing some of the other guys step up throughout the, the first two periods was awesome. And then that second or in the beginning of that third period there, seeing that that puck go in was uh nerve-wracking to say the least because you just didn't know if that was going to be the the start of something bigger and and thankfully it wasn't and those guys were able to step up and and keep up the quality play for the rest of the period and and get some more bounces to go their way when the game was tied uh and again for for Duluth it's like you said it's been the race to three um but you got to get to two first I guess how relieved did you feel not only were the players but also the fan base when that that game got tied up it, it was really nice to see uh, quite a few UMD fans out in, in Denver there. It, it made quite a bit of difference when you could hear the the audible cheers um, on the broadcast from some of the people that were there able to make some noise in that barn because it's it's not an easy place to play, not only from that that elevation standpoint where you're going to get gas a little bit faster, but, I mean, the, the fans there love hockey. They're, they're pretty passionate about it, and it's got a longstanding tradition of putting out good programs. So... Having some of the UMD fans there, whether it's family, you know, friends, strictly students, fans or otherwise, um, it, it made made quite a bit of difference in terms of the momentum. I feel like when the the boys heard some um, some more noise coming out of the stands after they, they were able to net that. And then you, you go ahead uh, against Denver in their building. Again, I don't I, I think up until that time they were undefeated at home uh, the entire year. Um, yep. It doesn't happen often in college hockey. Um you know, when you put this game, you know, kind of in a, in a cliff notes version, you know, we, we talk about character wins, right. And for, for Duluth and even for other teams in the NCHC that we cover, uh, Duluth really hasn't had a game like this, uh, I guess, to come from behind and beat arguably the, you know, well, the number one team in the NCHC, one of the arguably could be the number one team in the country in terms of the coaches poll. Uh, I guess, how does it feel to, to have a victory uh, happen in this fashion? Yeah, I mean it's it's huge, especially for the the guys on the team. Like I said, some of the younger ones that were able to step up. You've got some first time goal scorers in, in on the weekend, and to have that happen in that situation puts a, a really big um, uh, vote of confidence, not only within the team but outside the team as well. And that's that's evident in a, a town like or a city like Duluth, where everybody around is is kind of watching hockey. Not to say that there's nothing else to do up there, but it's it's certainly one of the the bigger places. Um, for for college hockey in the nation and when you you've got that that vote of confidence and that kind of buzz going around saying hey we were down our captain we were down one of our best defensive pieces where we've got some other people injured like it's it's going to be a big deal to see some of those wins kind of trickle in and just knowing that even when you're not at your strongest you're able to compete against one of the top two or three or maybe even the top team in the nation it, it's going to go a long way especially when you're coming to the playoff push here.
and that playoff push is coming up pretty quick uh, here, uh, Mr. Max. And uh, at the end of it, uh, you know, you, you can't look too far behind the rearview mirror because you got to look what's ahead of you, right? You got North Dakota at home, a team that has had a kind of a roller coaster ride uh, this season. I, I think many expected them uh, to be a little bit better. And even though they're second, I believe, in the NCHC in points, um, I would think that record is a little bit deceiving because, again, they've had spurts of greatness. They've had spurts uh, where they've been vulnerable. Uh, how do you see this matchup playing out? Um, unfortunately, as as a UMD fan, it, it's always going to be hard to, to see a really good, solid sweep of North Dakota because we haven't seen it in so long. It's It seems like the last, you know, 10, if not more times that we've, we've faced them has been a split. It, it, whether it's a season split or a split on the weekend, um, it, it seems like it's always the case with North Dakota, regardless of who's got the the higher, you know, scoring power or talent like North Dakota had last year, or who's a better defensive team like UMD has traditionally been. Um, it, it doesn't seem to matter in, in these matchups with North Dakota. It's always a hard fought series. It's always a, a, a really tight one. Um, and it's, the familiarity that we see between these two teams, not only do are they in the same conference, but it seems like they're always the ones that are playing each other twice a year, regardless of um, who else is in there. They're not going to have like a, a once off matchup, even if they're in the conference. So seeing them come into our barn now after a big statement win with a, I don't want to say depleted North Dakota team, but you've still got Sanderson that's going to be injured coming back from the Olympics, whether or not he's even going to be there this weekend. I, I have my doubts and that's the same for Kate's as well. Um, even though he's healthy, but um, it, it's some somebody that you may not have had um, the ability to take advantage of in the past, like you've got an opportunity to this weekend. And again, you know, when you have St. Cloud nipping on your heels too, um, they got uh, four out of six points. They closed the gap by one point, um, and you will see them on Tuesday again at the Herbrooks National Hockey Center. In fact, the three of the last five games will be against the Huskies, the team that is chasing you in the standings for that final home ice. Um, you know, I guess this is kind of an important weekend too, where, you know, if you really want to maybe even distance yourself a bit, St. Cloud uh, and Nebraska take an Omaha. That's a team on paper that they should beat. Uh, but again, college hockey has got this thing where um, if anything can happen, will happen. Uh, so th despite the split and, and maybe the analytics that shows how important is this for home ice position, which has been so important in the NCHC playoffs, which is coming up in about three weeks. Yeah, I, I would say that this weekend could be the critical turning point. So it, it's an unlikely scenario. And even, you know, given what I've already said, expecting a, a split between UMD and North Dakota since it's been so common. If UMD is able to sweep North Dakota here, then it becomes, um, you know, you and I can be on the same same betting terms here and, and rooting for the same thing when that's North Dakota losing. And, and St. Cloud, I can become a fan of the Huskies a little bit where, you know, we can both be in the top four and get home ice for the playoffs there. And um, I, I don't see that as the most possible, just given where the standings are right now. But uh, I certainly see it as a a possible outcome. So uh, uh, that's what I'm rooting for personally. And uh, it's going to be the, the math isn't perfect per se, uh, Max, but it, it certainly uh, could happen. Right. So uh, just to give everybody a little up to speed, right. North Dakota, 39 points uh, right in the NCHC. And mind you, win for those who don't follow the conference 
uh, closely. A win is three points. So St. Cloud at 25 points in fifth. If they do sweep Nebraska Oklahoma, they'll put up to 31 points. If Minnesota Duluth can sweep North Dakota at home, that will jump them up to uh, to 35 points. Uh, but how about Western Michigan? No, 34 points. So they're technically in third. So maybe it's more about Western Michigan and catching them up. But again, two tough opponents. So uh, I guess can Minnesota Duluth hold on to that last home ice position with the schedule they have? Or, uh, you know, is there a bit of fear, especially with three uh, head-to-head matchup against St. Cloud? And uh, again, uh, maybe some ref puck involved. Are you a little bit worried that they may uh, go down to that fifth spot? You know, uh, we've we've talked about a, a couple of referees in the past, especially in hockey, with the the tendency, at least from the fan perspective, to get some makeup calls. And I'm I'm really hoping that 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 comes UMD's way. And you know, maybe if we're not going to refer to it as makeup calls, we're just going to call it puck luck or you know hockey karma or whatever you want. Uh, I I think UMD and the Bulldogs in, in general have a little bit of that coming their way. Um, I know uh, Bruce Siski who covers the Bulldogs and. And everybody else that's in his his book and in his uh, his Twitter followers are, are going to be in the same boat as I am in terms of what they've seen and heard and been a part of if you're not able to actually sit down and watch the games. But um, I, I do see that as being a, a possibility. And, you know, I'm, I'm really hoping that it does kind of come through for the Bulldogs uh, one way or another, whether it's a, a couple of lucky bounces or goals or getting some. Um, some guys to fall on their skates or whether it be some some questionable calls. I'll, I'll take whatever I can at this point, as long as it means that we're able to keep some of that home ice advantage and momentum. So interesting, right? Because you have Western Michigan at home against Denver. So they have a very tough opponent that they're going to welcome in to loss in Michigan. Uh, and you go back to the points, I guess. I think it's okay to ask now, regardless of UMDs in fourth, maybe third. It's still unreached, but even let's say they they lose to St. Cloud. Does this seem to be a collision course happening with St. Cloud and and the Bulldogs for their first round of the NCHC playoffs? Uh, unfortunately, I, I think it does because not only are we going to be playing each other, you know, like you just alluded to there, um, three of the next five games, it, it could be a, another one on top of that in terms of the the NCHC playoffs there. So it's just. It's just a matter of not only are you going to have to play this very difficult team over and over again, but it's going to be your first first round in the playoffs. And if you're losing to them over and over again, or you're tying over and over again, it's just going to be that much more of a battle in that playoff game. And that, that could wear you out in the long run. Not that that's going to necessarily matter, hopefully, for either of these two teams going into the NCAA tournament. But um, for that that playoff spot to guarantee yourself a spot in the playoffs is is pretty big in itself. And for, for fans who uh, maybe don't get to watch UMD that uh, like listening in uh, with our show here, what was the reason for their success on Saturday in Denver and, and some of the similar aspects, what will they need to do in order to take at least one from North Dakota, if not two? Yeah. So it was a little bit strange on Saturday. You saw Ryan Fanti come out of the game after the first period there, um, just due to what they were calling a, a stomach illness that seems to be sweeping the, the Bulldogs locker room that they're still not necessarily completely over right now. So that's a little bit of a concern, but um, Zach Stasekel was able to, to jump in there. Um, I think it was touted quite a, quite a few different ways online, but for those that don't know, he was uh, diagnosed with testicular cancer earlier in the year. Um, didn't know if he was going to be able to come back and play, but he was adamant that he wanted to. Uh, battled through it, was able to make it back onto the ice, I think, in right after or right before the, the Christmas break there, holiday break. 
And, you know, he just started skating with the team and just got his first uh, ice time this past weekend against, a, you know, maybe the toughest opponent in the NCHC in terms of um, the, the resume. And so he was able to, you know, shut down quite a few of the, the spots there. He let in two goals off of high shots, a couple of them tipped. And so it was just a, a really good game to see him come back, build that, that um, confidence back up really, really quickly. And, you know, as a, a northern Minnesota hockey fan myself, um, seeing a, a Grand Rapids kid that's, uh, you know, where half of my family's from, to have that that type of success was was really helpful. And so knowing that you don't have to rely on Fanti and you've got, you know, additional depth, uh, as we're, we're used to hearing about in, in the state here, um, is uh, is a really good thing. So not not only do the Wild get to rely on their depth, but uh, the Bulldogs get to get that same same luxury here as well. Some final thoughts here, Max. Uh, we know what done for UMD. We know, uh, at least we think it's asleep. I guess, what are your final predictions for this weekend there in Amsoil Arena? Yeah, um, with with Sanderson out for sure, and Kate's being a, a very questionable question mark, uh, unlikely addition here. Wyatt Kaiser is going to be out, so the Bulldogs are going to have to be playing uh, uh, shorthanded again. We're going to get James back, so it's it's a, a little bit more optimistic here um I, I do say the bulldogs get one win for sure um i want to say that they've got a, a good as good of a chance at a sweep as as they've had against north dakota in recent memory but uh, officially we'll call it a split here so um i'll, I'll be at both games and i'm, I'm really looking forward to, to seeing some of that transpire in person and i'm i'm hoping for for my sake the Saturday game is the one that UMD ultimately wins and in convincing fashion because I love carrying that momentum into the next weekend. And they'll have to carry that because they will have uh, not very many days rest. In fact, probably only one. They'll have to bust down to Herbrooks National Hockey Center the following Tuesday. Again, for that second makeup game from the postponed series in January. Max, it will be fun to watch this team and see if they continue to carry that winning momentum from Denver. And that will wrap things up here from the MNCAA podcast. Follow us on Twitter at MN underscore NCAA. And for all the action updates for everything college hockey in the state of Minnesota, we thank you very much for listening. And we'll catch you back here next weekend.